0: A show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts, the Damon's loving, <laughs> roll eating son of a gun, yeah. Seth Breedlove. Joined as always by my onion petal devouring, mm. potato skin sucking bud, Mark, Man- <laughs> Mark Matsky, oh, Baby boy. back rib eating, enjoying. Yeah. yeah. And I'm joined by my never-been-there pal, Heather Mosher.
1: Hi.
0: Uh, <laughs> this is a very special episode. It is a return. We haven't done many returns mm-hmm. on this show, but we're doing a return to a fabled topic that I'm pretty sure Andy didn't realize we covered. That you- <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Showrunner Andy Matzke putting his foot down on my throat. Uh, We are returning to the Chupacabra today, but before we do that, we must mention channel memberships and YouTube. Go become a channel member right now, literally right this second, and you can watch this show ad-free. You can also watch the next episode of of the Bigfoot Project in 4K and ad-free when you're listening to this. It should be coming out. So... The Bigfoot Project. This is a special episode featuring myself and Mark Matsky. Whoa! What? What? Um, and this is a cool episode, by the way, because things get crazy. Mark almost gets killed by a Bigfoot throwing a rock at his head. Yes. Um, Your my
2: bona fides are yeah. in there now. Yeah, as a dodging Victim. Bigfoot death. <laughs> Bigfoot. Person victim. Uh, this is also I'm a the victim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on the circuit as a, a Bigfoot victim. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh,
3: <all right. laughs> the
2: Speaker lists. I
0: should just start writing. My book right now. author, musician. Uh, Lauren Coleman, <laughs> cryptozoology museum curator. Mark Matsky, Bigfoot victim. <laughs> <laughs> Your picture's just like you looking sad. Uh, let me share my <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so uh, but
2: for real, I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhat unnerving.
0: Uh, we we found a a, a track, a, a potential track that weekend. So it's a cool episode. It's got a lot going on. We also interviewed Ed Balint, who has a couple cool stories, um, about uh Bigfoot sightings near Minerva one of one of the coolest to me is this one where a guy literally walked into the lobby of the Canton repository to report it to him which was pretty funny to, to hear about but um
2: and he's but, at the forefront of reporting on such things is. for yeah the paper
0: yeah so that episode should be out 4K ad free you can watch it uh a week ahead of time a week of of the free version too so, uh, and then beyond the trail in December is also Minerva. Um, so, Ooh. so there's a lot of Minerva coming up yeah. in the next uh few weeks. Uh, December is Minerva month. Merry Christmas, everyone! <laughs> it's Minerva time,
2: Merry Minerva,
0: Merry Minerva time. Um, okay, so this week's episode, we're returning to
2: the Chupacabra, a
0: topic we touched on. A uh, while ago, but I don't remember when.
2: Is it 101? Was
0: there, I was going to say early ago. 100s. So mm-hmm. it seems like that. Um, and uh, thankfully, as I was doing my research for this, I was like, I remember all this. I'm good. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, Heather's acting just befuddled by this. An hour before you arrived, Heather's sitting here and she yeah, goes, dude. I don't know anything about the Chupacabra. <laughs> and then I, I realized now. she was doing oh, nice. her research right then, just yeah. like me,
2: yeah. just like well, me. It would be interesting to hear what you piece together. Yeah. I'd like to know. Yeah, let's well, let you Heather's, start this week's show. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Heather's mm-hmm. take on the Chupacabra.
1: Yeah, <laughs> my one-hour-old take yes. on the Chupacabra. Yes. Well, first of all, I didn't realize that the first sighting was in 1995 mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico and that it started... Well, I knew that there was a difference in the way the chupacabra looks depending on where it was sighted. So down in Puerto Rico, it's more like lizard-like with these spines on the back, Mm -hmm. which they said the the woman that first reported it had just watched Species. And so when you look at the one monster from there, I've not seen the movie, but it looks a lot like the way she described Mm. this creature. Mm. Um, But when you go on up into Texas a little later when things start, Popping up, it's more like a dog with mange, Mm -hmm. um, with maybe a pronounced spine or whatever, which would be the case if it has mange anyway. Yeah, you can see everything. Yeah, yeah. But also that (coughs) chupacabra, it means goat sucker, right? Correct. Yes. And it, like we talked about with the skinwalkers, it would kill livestock, but not like devour it or anything. It would suck the blood out of the livestock, which (coughs) <coughs> I found an article that was explaining how odd it would be to believe that the chupacabra is real because of the the nature of what a creature would have to be to suck the blood without dying essentially with overload of iron and so on cuz we're not mm-hmm. meant to ingest a ton like a, a ton of blood at once so they're saying there are vampiric type creatures like bats and mosquitoes and so on but there's something unique about their digestive system, and their mouths that allow for the consumption of large quantities of blood, which is not the case for some of these, cor- like corpses that they've supposedly found of chupacabras, which are just coyotes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's my intro on that. Heck,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1995. <clears throat> I did, so I got on, because I didn't get to do this, I don't think, when we were going over this, but I went into newspapers.com, because I wanted to see, because it's so recent, you know there's going to be a ton of reporting on it. What's interesting is 95, it just like spikes, and then it's through the roof, like Mm -hmm. it's all over all the newspapers, and then it carries all the way through the 90s, and even today there's still articles that pop up, but what was surprising to me, like you, is like, I guess I didn't realize, I thought it was like 93 that everything started. I don't know why 93 stuck out, but 95 is where the sightings start. The sheer volume of like, it was like an epidemic when Mm -hmm. this thing started, which we'll probably get to in a second. But I guess I hadn't realized that. But 95 um, is where the articles start coming out. And I've got one by Carl Ross, famed. Journalist, Carl Ross. The Carl Ross. Writing in the Herald, which narrows it down because I forgot to write down the name of the newspaper. Mm. Puerto Rico. Canovanas? Is that, the, is that how you say it? Cano-vanas? Yeah, let's go with that. We'll right. All right. be saying it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <in this. laughs> All right. A blood-sucking alien predator is ravaging aliens throughout the Puerto Rican countryside, or so say this town's mayor and scores of other rural dwellers. Mizel. Negron? 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 A 25-year-old college student is one of 15 Canovanas residents who claims to have had a close encounter with a chupacabra. Literal English translation, the goat sucker. I was looking off the balcony one night, and I saw it step out of a bright light in the backyard, Negron said. It was about three or four feet tall, with skin like a dinosaur's. It had bright red eyes the size of hen's eggs, long fangs, and multicolored spikes down its head and back. It couldn't have been anything from this planet. True to its name, the creature attacked Negron's family goat, draining the blood from its neck and disemboweling it. Mm. Alright, this is where it gets crazy.
1: Right here. (laughs) Ready?
0: The the number is unfortunately blurred. (laughs) Behind a Patch of black. Twice. So I cannot actually tell if this is is where it's saying. No, look. Literally, like, there's just the zeros. And then down here where it shows it again, it's also. (laughs) But I think it's a two. I see that 2,000 animal deaths. Tales of bloodthirsty monsters have circulated in this U.S. island commonwealth in the last, in the past. But none has left a tangible trail of carnage as extensive as the jupacabra, which some people blame for more than 2,000 animal (laughs) deaths. And while the government is quietly conducting an inquiry, many farmers are sleeping with a shotgun at their bedside and families are sleeping keeping their pets inside at night. This is not a joke, said Ken, Ken Ken Alonis. I can't see that. Mayor Jose R. Soto. A number of my constituents have lost animals in the past few months. We're taking it very seriously. Because it's killing animals right now. But people could be next. The creature earned its, earned its tag because of many of its earliest victims were reportedly goats. But according to numerous accounts of animal maulings, its diet also includes cattle, chickens, sheep, pigs, dogs, and cats. Even peacocks. A sportsman and gun collector, Soto led a safari last month to locate the Chupacabra. Combing the thick underbrush of the forest hills of El Yunque, Yunque, Yunke, rainforest. Some 200 townsfolk, civil defense workers, and gun-packing police and prison guards formed a search party, hauling along a caged goat as bait. They did not yeah, exactly. catch the chupacabra but a Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) (laughs) You guys stepped on my joke. I was getting all excited. I had it worked up. Oh, sorry. Whatever Whatever it is knows we're after it now, he said. And if you look at the pattern where the most recent attacks have taken place, you'll see it hasn't come back here. Soto admits that another motive for the outing was to gain the attention of government officials who have been leery about recognizing the matter more than 75 attacks on animals have been reported since late last year but officials only recently acknowledged they have started an investigation coming after an oil spill two years ago that fouled beaches along the condado tourism district (laughs) government officials fear that chupacabra whether real or the product of collective hysteria could frighten off tourists as the peak season gets underway Talk of the chupacabra has been fed by press reports, including almost daily headlines in Puerto Rico's crime tabloid, El Vacharo. Many hold El Vacharo accountable for the hysteria and sales are up, says associate editor German Negroni, who admits he doesn't believe everything his paper prints. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's what it says. A <laughs> prank? This started out as a sort of prank, Negroni c- conceded. But the reports of animal deaths are real. They are coming so fast and furious now that they are arousing the interest of doctors, scientists, and even politicians. It has raised some very interesting questions. Veterinarian Carlos Soto is one of those searching for answers. On two occasions, clients brought him the remains of mutilated animals, in one case seven rabbits, the other a Doberman pincher. Soto confesses he was baffled. In each case, the cause of death were two deep puncture wounds under the right side of the neck, Soto said. The wounds extended into the animal's brains, killing them instantly. The wounds were about the diameter of a drinking straw and three to four inches in length. They weren't compatible with the bite of a dog, a monkey, or any animal I've ever studied, which you would assume would include bats. Meg- <laughs> Miguel Dominguez, an 80-year-old Canovanas native, can't fathom what it was that plucked 19 of his, 19 of his 25 prized peacocks from the trees where they were sleeping and scattered their mutilated remains over an area of several hundred yards. At first I thought some junkies had gotten into my backyard. (laughs) But then I heard the flutter of wings. It couldn't have been monkeys either because monkeys don't fly. I did not say that. Yes, it does. That's the final sentence in the article, actually. <laughs> and there you have one of the first American mm-hmm. articles on Chupacabra. Start. Now, that's 90, 95, 96 is when you get into the Texas thing. And I have kind of a, I have some cool articles about that where it's like Ooh. talking about the migration of the Chupacabra up here. Excellent. But I thought I'd let you guys chime in because yes. um, I need a break.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, what's the, uh, just in the reports that you read and in the research, Heather, that you've done, what you'll notice is that there's not a uniform description of the creature. Even though the Puerto Rican chupacabra has is bears far less of a resemblance to a, a canid creature mm. and more of this almost alien mm. type of thing. And so you, you know, it's been said. That it's been reported as scaly, uh, in some cases furry, in some cases plumage, like a bird, Mm -hmm. almost. Um, Stealing the peacock's feathers. Maybe. Yeah. That's it? It (coughs) We've uh, discovered motive. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) A beast, humanoid. But the weirdest ones from Puerto Rico, um, almost... Position the creature as almost as a robotic or like artificial in mm. some way
0: i haven't seen those
2: yeah the 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 woman that heather referenced who had had seen species and then reported the sighting we all saw species is is one who um yeah, is one young. who said that she saw what she saw was uh looked artificial and almost was moving in a way that was not natural mm. Which has led to all sorts of rumors, which is, for me, the most interesting part of the Chupacabra story to um, linking it to the United States military presence in Puerto Rico, Mm. which some folklorist types have suggested is at the root of the Chupacabra story and talking about this great military power that set up shop in your backyard, but won't let you come in and see what they're doing, mm. which raises all sorts of natural questions like what's going on in there? Right. What are they doing? And then when something strange happens, um, well, maybe it's some weird experimental thing that's been mm. unleashed. We can talk about that.
0: We mentioned mm. the mayor. And oh, I, yeah, I remember yeah. you talking about this guy when we did the initial article, mm-hmm. which is, they, they, it's like the classic small town monsters thing they form like this huge posse and they, yeah. they go out they call it a safari here which i like yeah. considerably more <laughs>
2: we should yeah we should We're normalize yeah
0: normalize chupacabra safaris
2: <laughs> and i have to give a shout out to charles cater friend of the show cuz he sent some chupacabras links yes. after the first episode that we did oh sweet and there is a youtube video with the mayor Like, going out to lead this. Yes. An adventurous mayor who wore combat fatigues and headed into the countryside to seek and destroy the Chupacabra. And he he became super famous in Puerto Rico for doing this. Wow. And partially, it, it says in the article that you read, the reason being that they thought perhaps by making such a big deal about this, that they'd get the government to actually pay attention to it. Like these local level officials were saying, nobody's taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. And there's some weird stuff genuinely happening here that we want to get to the bottom of it. So partially his reason for taking it to that extreme was to just get some attention for it. Because where these sightings take place, this is, I think, important to the story in uh, Mm Canavanas, is, you know, by... uh, even Puerto Rican standards, a rural location. Mm-hmm. And so some of the folks in more, um, uh, you know, like the the cities and so forth, uh, more settled, tended to treat this at the very early stages as something that, you know, the country folks, this is oh. their deal, oh. you know. And so we can regard it as just simply a cult or superstition or even uh, have religious underpinnings to it. That is the man himself. There he is. There he his is.
0: fatigued glory. Well, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> You're welcome, Yeah. viewers.
1: I, well, I like that approach,
2: though. <coughs> that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. This was a big deal in 1995.
2: Yeah, oh, definitely it was. And like we said on the last, on the episode 101, if that's what it was. uh uh-huh. You know what this all coincides with, along with gigantic media attention, was the rise of the internet as mm-hmm. a way of spreading stories in right. real time. Mm-hmm. And as early as '96, you had a student at Princeton University. Uh, his last name is Armstrong, and I think his first name is Tito, but that might be a that might be a um, just a nickname. But he was getting. First-hand reports from his relatives in Puerto Rico and then just posting them on what's regarded as the first Chupacabra website.
0: Oh, wow. Good grief. I mean, the episode of X-Files, because there's a Chupacabra episode of X-Files, which is really good, 97. It's like right on the heels Mm. of... That's wild to see it get into into pop culture that quickly.
2: Sure. And it, it all dovetails with... You know the internet presence of being able to something happens, a phone call is made, goes up on the website same day.
1: What's that website? Do you know,
2: uh, there's links to it. Let me check and see. I think if you were if you were to Google Tito Armstrong Chupacabra, it would take you right to.
0: Tito himself is not Chupacabra though, so be careful that you put a, you know, like a comma or something. Be <laughs> respectful. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want Tito to think we're calling him
2: <laughs> wow. Chupacabra. Okay. So, yeah, and, and that makes sense then because you've got wide-scale recognition of Chupacabra as a, a entity. By the time 97 rolls around, everybody knows what you're talking about. So you can make it part of the plot of a show uh, on the scale of uh, X-Files. And you can get to a point where you know, Art Bell on Coast to Coast AM is talking to Armstrong about the website. Mm-hmm. And that just multiplies that then by, you know, millions of people who are exposed in, to the stories, hearing about it, making, you know, their own conclusions. But um, just culturally, it goes everywhere mm-hmm. t shirts, merchandise, yeah. comic books, television shows, um, AM radio. So the cultural penetration is just complete within the same months of the initial reports taking place. And I think that's what makes this story unique among any other cryptid stories. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, yeah, Bigfoot's been reported in uh, the media, but that was old media. That was newspapers, (laughs) you know, and, and that takes a while for those to spread out and be picked up and read, but... And the internet changed the game as far as launching this story into yeah. the stratosphere. So on,
0: on, yes.
1: Oh, I was just going to say this. That Princeton.edu, it's a website on there, and then uh, there's parts after that. The Chupacabra homepage. Yeah. It says, a myth, a legend, all we know is that it strikes in the night and has a weakness for blood. Put away the goats and any other household pets, my friends, because the Chupacabra may be coming to a barn near you. Mm. Find out more about Puerto Rico's version of the Yeti. The infamous <laughs> chupacabra. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is managed by Tito Armstrong, Princeton class of ninety six.
0: All right. On on the note of culture, this article fits into that. Legend of chupacabra creeps across U.S. border, and this is ninety six. Let me see what's this September first, nineteen ninety six. So this one, this one talks directly about that. So I wanted to get to it now. Mm-hmm. But Isbeth Hernandez was on the phone with her cousins in Nuevo. Laredo, Mexico, just across the Texas border, they were talking about the beast that drains blood from its victims. They wondered if Chupacabra, the goat sucker, was out there again, out in the night, sucking the vital red stuff right out of dogs, goats, and God knows what else. Hernandez's cousins cousins, <laughs> were specifically wrestling with the possibility that this unseen fanged evil, this nasty, seldom spotted, lat, late lat, Latin style Loch Ness monster, Whose legend has mushroomed this year had just sipped blood out of all those dead chickens in their yard. Now, Isabeth Hernandez considers herself a level-headed, level-headed person. She runs a fine little record shop called Los Lobos in the heart of that soulful side of Dallas, familiarly. What is happening? <laughs> what? Familiarly, known as the Grove, Pleasant Grove. But now, like thousands of people across Texas, Florida, New Mexico, and California, she had a lot to think about. Her cousins chalked the dead chickens up to a ravenous dog. Isbeth hoped they were right. You don't want to believe it, she says. It is the chupacabra, the goat sucker. A reputedly long-clawed, lizard-like monster whose legend apparently sprung up in Puerto Rico took a turn toward Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, Argentina, and began zooming up through Central America, Mexico, and South Texas. During the past few months, its famous. fanned out from the Rio Grande Valley and into the Bible Belt heart of Dallas, where the term goat sucker normally is reserved for fractious city council meetings. There is a snack store named Chupacabra that is opening on Ross Avenue. You can load up on Chupacabra t-shirts at the Discoteco, Monterey, and Mexico. Mexican products store. If you need chupacabra cassette tapes, you will find them at Los Lobos. Even street vendors in East Dallas will gladly point you to stacks of recorded tributes to the beast. But of course, in the irresistible Rio Grande Valley, the chupacabra is ubiquitous. Uh, There's a lot more to this. There's going to be a a Chupacabra festival when this was happening Mm. with more than 3,000 people indulging in various salutes to the monster, including Chupacabra chili.
2: There's more Mm -hmm. to this story. Chupacabra victims. Yeah. Sharing their (laughs) tales of woe. Devour them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that whole article and then the one that comes after it are solely about um, the Chupacabra as a cultural figure. Mm -hmm. This is one year after all that started like that. I can't think of anything else Mm -hmm. like this, where the like fame of the creature ballooned that quickly.
2: Right. Right. And I think that that's what elevates this story, even though the origins are really pretty murky as to what the creature actually is Mm -hmm. the way that it was reported and, and uh, you know how steep the curve was and how many people heard about it, and how quickly that translated into merchandise, <laughs> essentially, is, uh, is unique. Yeah. There isn't anything else like it that we've ever experienced. And chupacabra still has uh, is still recognized. I mean, even like in its original form, the weird alien creature form, mm-hmm. a lot of people would, if you were to ask show them a picture of that, even like a cartoony version of it, people, a lot of people I think would be able to say, that's Chupacabra,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and they would identify that. Whereas if you just showed them the mangy dog, that's yeah. what they would identify it's a mangy dog. that as. Yeah. yeah. And I know that I, I referenced this before on the previous episode, but you know, there was that monster quest episode mm-hmm. that would, when it was talking about Chupacabra, what it mostly showed was the dog as opposed to, the other creature and the Puerto Rican origins of it—it it gave it a little bit of attention, but I think the imprint that that episode made was definitely on the, the dog side, which makes sense given the intended audience, which was North American. Probably was the mm-hmm. was uh, who they were making the show for, and a lot of the the origins sort of belie how the story is going to be told. Mm-hmm. Before we get even over, like, north of the border. There's this really great article. I wanted to just share this one portion of it. Uh, Again, thank you, Charles Cater, for putting me onto this uh, particular article. It's from past.oxfordjournals.org by Lauren Derby, and it's a really fascinating article. It's free online called Imperial Secrets... Vampires and Nationhood in Puerto Rico. Hmm. And it's all about chupacabra. And I just wanted to isolate this one little section because it talks about all the stories that were told about the possible origin of the creature, like where to come from. And this is where it really gets weird because we haven't even touched on UFOs yet. Okay. So if, if there were debates about exactly what the chupacabra looked like, The far more interesting discussion was over where it came from, and if analyzing the beast's appearance might locate it within the realm of mythic beings, its accompanying narratives of origin reveal it to be a subset of conspiratorial political lore. The the ufologist community, which quickly adopted the chupacabra as their totemic object, claimed that it was the result of a military intelligence experiment with the U.S. government that it was conducting on Puerto Rico. In one version, the beast was an interspecies hybrid clone that had been developed in a laboratory and had escaped. In this account, the chupacabra is a kind of plant animal, or hupig, perhaps a cross between a rabbit and a camel. At times, it is said to have a strange coating that looks chameleonic and emits a smaller sound that causes nausea in onlookers possibly created by a Chinese scientist living in Moscow who learned how to imprint genetic information onto DNA, as they do. Rumor had it that a federal agency had created a task force to investigate where these creatures were coming from and had set up a, quote, secret primate research, unquote, laboratory for further study. People say that SWAT teams had been seen chasing simian-looking beasts in the forest with orange fatigues with NASA insignia. In another version, the DOD, FBI, and CIA had created a mutant bionic creature, half organic and half machine, that it let loose in Puerto Rico as an experiment since the population there was expendable. Wow. Many of these accounts emanated from retired Army personnel involved in high security accounts, um, communications who claimed that the U.S. Armed Forces were keeping the true identity of the chupacabra, a secret.
0: When uh, when did sightings of this happen in the U.S.? And what accounted for the shift into, like, rabid dog territory?
2: I think it's around uh, the shift into the millennium, really.
0: Oh, it's that long after? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Round ninety eight eight, nine, okay. two thousand. And because by then, I mean by like two thousand three and four you have skeptical articles being written about the the mangy dog type type chupacabra appearing. You know, like uh, skeptical Inquirer, Benjamin Radford and and authors like that <laughs> taking it apart. There's
0: there a Spanish Spanish language. Apparently, uh, local Spanish radio stations uh, were playing songs dedicated to the beast, such as Goat Busters and Chupacabra Fragilistic Expialidocious. So, that's how you know it's
2: legit. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned the El Yunque Rainforest before, mm -hmm. and that very much factors into some of the sightings of the, the Chupacabra, but it also is a place where UFOs are seen okay, on the regular. That's
0: what I was curious about is what's with the connection to UFOs? Is it just because of that? Or yeah. are there? Well,
2: many flying saucer sightings have taken place in El Yunque, site of the quote-unquote primeval Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of what, what's in play there is, you know, primeval is in quotes. It'd be like how we talk about the Adirondacks, you know, as being primeval or unexplored when they are, they do exist in a explored country. Just people don't spend a whole lot of time there. But the fact, because there's less people there than in a city, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: a lot of legends are attributed to those places because you can't, you're not normally there. You're somewhere else. And so it's easy to start a story and have it catch fire. But the added little twist to El is that it is, under the control of the United States government as far as a place that has rules regarding when you can enter, when, how long mm-hmm. you can stay. It's like an, a national park of sorts. Mm-hmm. So that's where some of the conspiracy angle comes in Yeah, actually is the distrust that here's our natural land. Mm-hmm. And yet because of this strange partnership with the United States, it's a place we, can't really go to with the frequency that we desire. Oh, and at the same time, there's strange creatures and possible technologies being seen there. Mm -hmm. But we can't investigate it to the degree that we want because the information is being controlled. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these articles um, that Charles Cater sent our way have to do with this idea that um, at the root of the Chupacabra story is... Um, there's something happening we don't understand, and we can't understand because we're not allowed. Yeah, it's
1: conspiracy based. Yeah,
2: we're not allowed to have access to the information that we need, and that speaks to the the strange arrangement of Puerto Rico as not a state, mm. but it's United States somehow okay. linked to them.
0: They're n- they're not allowed to vote, but they've got to abide by our laws.
2: Yeah. Let's get political. Yeah. <laughs> let it. But like um, Jorge Martin, who hosts popular radio program, written several books on extraterrestrial phenomena. He says, Chupacabra is an alien species that the U.S. defense intelligence was observing and with which they were in secret collusion. The, U- the Chupacabra is thus a UFO messenger. The creature is sent on feeding missions in which it sucks blood for its extraterrestrial hosts, later returning the eviscerated bodies to earth. So now not only do you have chupacabra put in the context of UFOs but also animal mutilation. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's just this complete stew of things but again it gets right. back to you know the, the ultimate questions of what are these things and who's doing them? Mm-hmm. The suspicion goes to it's got to be US military. It's got to be yeah, their involvement right. somehow cuz they're here and we know what they're capable of doing, but we have no access to, yeah, to that.
1: The one website that I was on talked about the different conspiracy theories about them being like aliens or whatever. But they also mentioned, which I'm curious if it's in these articles about black helicopters collecting eggs, chupacabra eggs, in the desert. Have you did that come across? I, had I
2: didn't see that, but it could. It's fits it, in, I yeah. mean It Totally <laughs> fits in with the the picture of like copy and paste any conspiracy angle yeah. and assign it somehow to the, the narrative, it works.
0: The physical, my favorite physical description kind of is similar to the others in that it's scaly, it's got the fin thing up the back, mm-hmm. but it's got wings and it's like seven feet tall. What? Yeah, there's, there's, that's one of the earliest reports was that it was like big and it was winged and it was flying around. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like that one sounds cool. That's the one I want to see. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: That's the one you want to see. That's you want to see I that. See.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: That's notably absent that. <laughs> in the dog type creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the wings. Yeah. The dog with wings.
2: Which I mean it suggests that our chupacabra is very boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compared comparatively speaking, to this UFO traveling.
0: My takeaway so from all this monster. is that there was there's legitimately a mystery at the heart of the earliest Chupacabra stuff, because mm-hmm. there were so many animals in such a small area that were being drained of blood in the same way. Right. Some of the theories <clears throat> about what accounted for that was that what was it like bats in the area had started moving out and were like starting to find food other ways from what they normally would. Um, there were all these like mm-hmm. th- roving packs of of dogs like mm-hmm. were yeah. were causing this was one thing that I read.
2: Right. There was a there was a government press conference mm-hmm. held precisely to say that feral dogs that dogs can do this and they're not trying to eat anything they just kill it kill livestock and then run away.
1: Now were the livestock actually drained of blood or was it one of those situations where they were on the ground and the blood pools to the bottom of the body? That's a good question. And so unless yeah. you flip it, you, it seems like it is... I don't know. It
0: could be. It could be that. Mm-hmm. The other one, it was feral dog Oh, shoot. No, I forgot the other one. It was like feral dogs and bats. And then the third... Oh, the third was um, occultists. Like, mm. uh, uh, you know, like occultists were mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Sure. So that's You typical. know, like draining blood. Yeah. Yeah, no. and
2: that that touches on a an element of this we haven't even gotten into and probably won't. But... The, the religious element of it, which is there's a strong both Roman Catholic presence mm-hmm. with miracle sites, you know, there were, you know, uh, apparitions have been cited with a religious twist to them that then gave way to those are the same sites where UFOs were seen or mm. like um, UFO occupants and then Chupacabra. Um, at the same time, there's a very strong Pentecostal presence in Puerto Rico. And so suspicion being levied against an occult group doing this under cover of darkness would be a natural. I mean, you'd get a lot of buy-in culturally to that idea. It it would have a lot of power as far as an explanation is concerned. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting that that would be the third one Mm -hmm. because people would say, oh yeah, of course, you know, that it makes perfect sense that there'd be an occult underpinning to that
0: well i the article i was just reading goes on to give a fourth which is kind of insulting to the people of puerto rico which is that they're poor that's the what this this uh someone from some university claimed is they're poor and they're religious and so they're looking for something to blame their 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 lack of income on and so they they go to they create a fictional character and they, it's it literally draws the the line between the chupacabra and and plagues of like plagues of olden times or mm-hmm. something, which, again, that ins that ins the insinuation is that they created Jesus and now they're gonna create the chupacabra, mm, others, yeah, basically. But I mean, th- th- it's interesting because those those are also for reasons that are given for almost every
2: <laughs> sure mm-hmm. yeah well and what's fascinating to me about that is that that's an outside perspective but the same thing was happening in Puerto Rico itself mm. mm-hmm. where you had people living in in more city and suburban areas looking at the chupacabra cases saying it's country bumpkin oh, supernatural yeah. superstition and yeah just religious stories it's mm-hmm. not worth paying attention to so it seems like that's always Raised as a potential explanation, uh, but but then, to your point, what killed all of those animals? Something yeah. did. Yeah, two thousand plus what, is yeah
0: wild. Even if that's exaggerated, you know, strike five hundred off mm-hmm. or something like that's a huge number of animals to be dropping like flies, right? And and varied. I think that's the other thing. Is like. The animals are so varied. You're talking about like Doberman, a Doberman getting taken down alongside, t- what did I say, 19 peacocks? Like it's mm. a weird mix yeah. of animals that are being killed, mm-hmm. too. Goats. Mm-hmm. Who likes goats? Am I right? right. <laughs> I, it
1: would, I, it, well, the cats don't really fit into this. or yeah. But if it's like a farm situation, mm-hmm. then they're just
0: taking th- they're anything. Taking,
1: well, they're taking money away from these people. Oh, okay. Is what I'm saying. Like they're, they are losing their livelihood. If, mm-hmm. if if I don't know if it's a peacock farm. But mm-hmm. peacocks, from what I understand, aren't cheap if you have them anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe in Puerto Rico. Maybe in Puerto Rico they're cheap. I don't know. But yeah. anyway,
2: Can't if you have. They something. make a horrifying lives. sound.
0: Yeah, Dude, they yes, they do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. yeah. I've misidentified a peacock once as a Bigfoot. <laughs> For real. In the Smokies. Yeah. Oh, boy. <clears throat> yeah. Good times. Chupacabra episode three now. Three of them we've done, right? Three or yeah, I think this is three. Feels like three. I think we, (laughs) I'm pretty sure because I think we did episode one was kind of about Puerto Rico, and then episode two was more about the other, the modern day one. And then I think we came back now for to revisit. But I think we got into some, I think we're getting to the root of this. So when we hit episode four, we (laughs) might solve the mystery of the Chupacabra.
2: We're going to go even deeper into the vaults, mm-hmm. the intelligence agencies.
1: Yeah. We're going to get a hold of Tito Armstrong. Yeah. I think,
2: you know what's amazing is that, I think that's possible. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Wait, why did, why did you say it like that? Well, <laughs> because
1: if he put the website up in 96 and oh. he's a graduate of Princeton in 96, he should still, yeah. I mean, he's not like elderly or anything. No. Mm-hmm. Provided there hasn't, you know, something unfortunate, then yes.
0: Chupacabra. He's writing about the Chupacabra. I'm just saying it's Chupacabra. We're
2: talking about it. What does that mean for us? We're
0: going down next. (laughs) The Monsteropolis suckers. Uh, All right. This was. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, You can send mail to monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Goodbye.